This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a special edition of the Daily Energy News Beat Stand-Up, where we are reviewing the top stories for the week. Please sit back, enjoy this best of show on this gorgeous Friday. As always, these stories are brought to us by www.energynewsbeat.com. But I'm out of breath. Let's turn it over to the show. Uh, The U.S. has billions for wind and solar in projects. Good luck plugging them in. This pretty cool article from, like like you said, from the New York Times. There's a couple big things that has happened around the world. And this one is really sparking it. And there are more than... 8,100 energy projects. The vast majority of them are wind, solar, and batteries. Our friends over there at Fry Battery out of Norway are coming in to take care of this as well, too. But here's the problem. This is from our perspective. The interconnection process has become the number one project killer, said Piper Miller, vice president of market development at Pine Gate Renewables, a major solar power and battery developer. Michael, it's a brain trust issue as well. Two things really that are in this article. The EU is having to print money to catch up. Because now the brain trust, just like Fry Energy coming across the pond, is now taking up a lot of those dollars. And they're having to create the same thing to attract people to go to Europe. The brain trust, people are fighting for these project engineers, Michael. You can't get people approved to work on all of these projects, wind, solar. The supply chains are not there. You may have the money. You may not get it done. It's going to. I mean, think about this. I mean, it's just that PJM interconnection, the one that stretches all the way from Illinois to New Jersey that we that will actually I think we should probably cover next um, because it fits right in. But think about this. They've announced a freeze on new applications until 2026 so it can work through the already backlog of thousands of of proposals, mostly for renewable energy. So that's the interesting part is it's not just about, hey. Can we build and spin up a wind farm? It's It's, where does the actual electricity tie into the grid? You've been on it for years, Stu. Don't hurt yourself patting yourself on the back. But here's the thing, like Meredith uh, Angwin, who uh, shortened the grid, uh, she brought up and David Blackman just talked about this in their podcast as well, too. The grid. And then I talked about it with Don Deers uh, in my podcast. You have to add 180 percent when you bring in wind or uh, solar for additional uptime guarantee 
instead of the normal 20%. So it is just nuts on this, Michael. Think about this. Um, I love halfway down the article. It, it's one of the bigger titles. It says, imagine if we paid for highways this way. A potentially bigger problem for solar and wind and that is in many places around the country, the local grid is clogged, unable to absorb more power. That means that if a developer wants to build a new wind farm, it may not just have to pay for a simple connecting line, but also right. for deeper else upgrades elsewhere. Get this, Stu. These costs can be unpredictable. In 2018, EPD North America Renewable Energy Developer proposed a 100 megawatt wind farm in southwestern exactly. Minnesota. Estimated it would have to spend $10 million to connect it to the grid. But after the grid completed its analysis, EDP learned upgrades would likely cost upwards of $80 million and it canceled the project. You know what okay. this does do? It creates a whole new problem. When proposed energy projects drop out of the queue, the grid operator often has to redo the studies for other pending projects and ship costs to other developers, which could trigger more cancellations and delays. Done, done, done. It's and a there's six two. things you said in there, Michael. There's six things. I mean, the number one that I just said a second ago was there's a brain trust missing from these people that can go through and analyze power physics and everything else. That's the number one job. It used to be IT folks. No, nah, it's brain trust for, for energy, uh, yeah. trying to get things on the grid. Hey, let's start with our buddy Pioneer Sheffield predicting 90 to $100 oil by early summer. I love me some Sheffield. He is one of the best, coolest cats in the uh, entire in industry. And uh, the article says uh, Sheffield is talking to the an analysts and he says, we remained uh, highly constructive on oil prices, Sheffield told analysts. I'm still very optimistic that we'll move back into the 90 to 100 range sometime early this summer as we move and get away from this 78 to 88 swing in Brent prices. Time out. Uh, this is what everybody does, though. They couch their oil price by giving me Brent, which trades at a seven to ten dollar premium to West Texas Intermediate, which Pioneer and, and most other companies that produce out of the Permian Basin get paid off that index, not Brent. So I do find it hilarious that you know he's talking about his oil price prediction and he chooses the international benchmark versus the one that sits in his backyard. But I, I won't get um, hung up there. No, so continue. But uh, the the other piece of this is uh, Pioneer expects to operate an average of 24 to 26 horizontal drilling rigs. Ooh, in Finland. That's a lot of riggage, dude. That's a lot that, of that's a lot of riggage. We need to make that into a T-shirt. I don't know if I've <laughs> ever heard that that one before. Um, I mean, Pioneer is probably one of the better positioned companies with their acreage in order to drill. I mean, they have vast. Right. You know, what is probably considered lower tier one at this point, but decent acreage that at these prices, even at $75, make very good economic sense. Let me it's ask why. you this. Yeah, let me ask you this, Michael. Uh, it says citing significant capital savings on a per foot basis of lateral wells in excess of 15,000 feet. Pioneer said expects to place more than 100 of these extra long wells on production this year. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's that's super interesting. And I think you're seeing a shift of, you wow. know, a shift into these super long ladders. And we're talking 15,000 feet is three miles of lateral length. I know in, in, in the DJ Basin, Oxy is doing some some pretty crazy wells that are getting three, four miles. I just saw a permit for a, um, a Woodford well up there in Oklahoma. That was 26,000 feet of uh, total measure depth. So I think that works wow. out to like four miles. I mean, it's absolutely incredible, Stu, what they're doing. And I think part of the reason 
Why is because you can in high oil price environments, which in which wells are fairly economical and you can really right. churn and burn this tier one acreage, the longer you go, it it does there is a on a well by well basis some economics of scale by increasing the lateral length. You can increase the lateral length by a thousand feet and see a let's give let's say for example a hundred thousand uh, barrel per you know thousand foot. And that's a bad example. Let's say let's say twenty five thousand per thousand foot of lateral length. Well, if you go over 15,000 feet, your costs may not rise linearly. They may slope off a little bit while your EUR continues to rise. And at these prices, you can afford to be, you can, you know, a $22 million AFE, which is probably what it's going to cost to go drill one of these wells. You can swallow that because you're going to, you're still going to be able to make your money back in six to eight months, you know, and especially if you're quote unquote, highly constructive on oil prices, then there's really only a time to go up from here. Cause you might be able to lock in these rigs at $75, you know, service company prices when it drives to a hundred, you might, there could be some savings. So if that's your thesis, it does make sense. I I do think it'd be hilarious. I, you know, we talked on Friday, Stu, specifically about um, the rumor that Pioneer was going to buy range resources. They had to uh, announce a right. press release and say it's going to happen. I was on Twitter today and, and I <laughs> fell out of my seat. I got to give a shout out. This is one of the first off the name of this, the name of this Twitter account at insolvent shit co. I mean, it just, just I'm dying. Whoever came up with brilliant, but the title goes chestnut checkers. Uh, Andy, if you don't mind throwing up the meme for everybody on YouTube, it goes chess, not checkers. So you've got the Winnie the Pooh meme where half the time he's sitting there just looking scummy and then the other half he's in his suit smiling. First section, grinding on a model to evaluate whether M&A adds shareholder value or not. Part two, leak rumor to Bloomberg and make that 1.30 p.m. tea time. I'm telling you, it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. They were like, let's just leak to the press, see what happens. Oh, stock down 4%, pull it. Pull it, don't do it. <laughs> Absolutely funny. So, um, I mean, getting back to this, um, this article, Stu, Pioneer's going to be able to drill these long wells that will, you know, even if they're over AFE, they'll be able to make money. But I do find it funny that, you know, now all of a sudden we've got, you know, I love how I have a hard time as an economist predicting commodity prices. I think that's, I think oil and gas companies should not be in the business of predicting oil prices. You should be in the business of producing, uh, oil and gas for as cheap as possible so that whenever the price does go down to a bad level, you're able to continue to at least keep the lights on. And when it goes up to an extremely high level, you're able to keep those low operated assets, invest more into drilling and really ramp up production because you really make most of your money on these oil wells in the first six months of production. So it really doesn't matter what the strip price is four years out when you're drilling these new wells, because all you care about is that first six months. Uh, but here we've got Scott Sheffield, CEO of one of the largest companies um, in the oil and gas business. He's, you know, now we're predicting oil prices. So this should be fun. Hey, he's a good dude. What do you got so- next? Tesla's uh, Germany plant. I'm actually quite happy about this because I do like Elon and I'm very happy for the Germans with this. Might as well make it off of a uh, uh, American company. Tesla's Germany plant is producing 4,000 cars per week, three weeks ahead of schedule. This is pretty amazing, Michael. Uh, Tesla will be uh, compelling $25,000 electric vehicle that is also fully autonomous, Elon said this time. Wow. After an ugly start to the 2023 campaign, Tesla shares have now more than doubled off their lows this year. It's kind of cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible what Elon Musk has been able to do. You know, first off, I think, you know, I don't think the autonomous driving really gets enough, doesn't get talked about as much. You know, about Tesla, I think everyone talks about the electric, they talk about the batteries, the clean energy. Right. I mean, really what's going to make Tesla valuable is will they will they achieve what would be considered full self-driving or FSD? I'm, Who I'm knows? Really but if they do... But if yep. they do, it's licensable software that can be licensed to any other company and all you need and, and they really become a software company. And I think Elon knows that. And I, I I've I've been I've listened to enough podcasts with him, um, specifically the Lex Friedman show, where he's basically gone so far as to admit that Tesla is a software play and eventually might even be outsourcing and not even produce cars, but just produce software that goes into cars. But for now, they do make an incredible car. It's clearly not twenty five thousand dollars for an for a uh, electric vehicle. That's that's a lie. Um, well, I think no, it's they, what a forty five fifty now. It's at least double that. Oh, it's way more than that. But uh, the original idea for affordable Tesla was announced by Elon back in twenty twenty. Tesla will make a compelling twenty five thousand dollar electric vehicle. That's also it was leaked from the company's California plant. Mm-hmm. So, no, nice. Uh, Atlantic LNG to lay off some staff. And this is sad. We hate anybody getting laid off. As recent global events have been demonstrated, the LNG industry is dynamic. Uh, they shut down one of their trains. They have four trains uh, and they are now down to three And it's because the limitations of the exports that are going on right now. Atlantic is one of the largest producers of LNG and is owned by the National Gas Company of Trinidad and Tobago and Shell, BP and the Chinese Investment Corporation. (laughs) Michael, here's a tidbit. Guess who Boston and New England, the the story we had yesterday on New England Power? Mm Mm-hmm. They buy from this company. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Of course they do. Oh, yeah. I just thought I'd share that little bit of laughter. Let's go to India. Coal is back in business. Michael, we just ran this story about King Cole last week again, and now we're running another one. King Cole is coming back with a big bang, said Anil Kumar Jha, the chairman of uh, Jindal Power. Holy smokes. There's no talk at all of phasing down coal at the event. Rather, the debate centered around on how just high coal's demand will rise with the consensus that it will jump to 1.4 billion tons per annum by 2030 from around 1 billion tons currently. How in the world, Michael, I want to ask you this one right now. How in the world can India make their quote unquote climate goals by increasing their goal from now on? I think everything is a trade-off. I think if they don't increase their energy output and continue to provide low cost energy to their billion plus growing population, they're going to find themselves in a position of very negative growth or not negative growth, but, but slowing growth. I mean, they're one of the fastest growing economies right now. I mean, I think you know, they we just know. took China in population. Yep. And from, from an economy standpoint, they're booming right now. And if you... We've seen it here in the United States. What's the easiest way to trigger a recession? Make the cost of energy skyrocket. Europe, 
energy prices have skyrocketed. So, the, the, you know, right. India's continued to buy Russian crude. Why? Because they support the Russians? No, but they like cheap oil. They like That's cheap right. fuel. And so they're going to lean that way as long as the incentive structure remains the way it is. I mean, you can commit to anything, Stu. I'm going to commit to going on a diet starting tomorrow, but we'll check in in two months, see how I'm doing. You know? I'm holding my breath. <laughs> oh, exactly. So you're holding, that's about as long as the diet will last. But if, if you can keep, if, if, if there's no incentive for me to, if, you know, you're not going to pay me for one month, which, you know, boo-hoo, it may encourage me to go on a diet. Um, but um, so I, I say all that to say they're doing the right thing for them. Exactly. You can't necessarily be mad about it. Would I wish they were buying our LNG? Sure. Where would the LNG come from? We can't export it enough to satisfy their need quite yet. They're going to go get it from Qatar. Right. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Yesterday, we talked about China, how much uh, they are building. They produce uh, unbelievable amounts of energy via coal. They're doing two a week, you know, just by that. So anyway, I just wanted to shout out. I and you've always heard me say this. I love India. I love the leadership for trying to get uh, low cost power. And I know you're shaking your head. Yes, uh, you're already tired of saying it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.